welcome in to another episode of From the Nosebleeds. Um, and as you heard uh, CeeLo Green singing on the intro here, uh, the Sixers do in fact make me feel crazy. So uh, today it's just me, Vince Lobiondo, joined by Taylor. I would say behind the glass, but we're virtual. Again, I'm at home. He's in the studio and he's got a beautiful picture of Doc Rivers bent over in uh, some kind of sadness from the game four loss in Toronto. Great picture. It's definitely going to be one of my go-to memes going forward. But um, Pat and Seamus couldn't join us today because they are both attending the Phillies game. Pat, by the way, said this to Taylor before the show started. He went to the Sixers game last night, and he's going to the Phillies game today. If the Phillies lose, uh, he might have to stay home for a while from all Philly sporting events because what a bad two-day stretch it's possible for him to have here. I can't imagine going to that game last night, Sixers-wise. Dude, because, I mean, like, we're obviously going to get into it, but, like, just to start off here, like, it was just impossible for the crowd to, like, get any momentum going because the second the Sixers, like, made uh, any semblance of a run, it was completely just uh, extinguished by, like, an oop or an open three or just the easiest shot you've ever fucking seen in your life. It it was crazy. It must have really sucked to be in the crowd for that game. I'm so sorry, Pat. Yeah, they've got, like, within nine points at most for like the second half and yeah. nothing close to that after like they just didn't put together i feel like the whole game i, I think that Allah said this on the broadcast the whole game kind of just felt like you were waiting for that one run like you know the raptors went on a couple like what 15-0 runs or something stupid like that the sixers never strung together anything more than like an 8-0 run or like a a 10-2 run like never happened and basketball obviously is a game of runs and it just never came but uh, to go back to the beginning here, Sixers lose uh, 88-103. And it sucks that we're doing the podcast at this point because we didn't even like get to talk about like the the beautiful shot in Game 3 and how we overcame. And I remember after that game, I said in my, my group chat with my friends, this is a game the Sixers don't usually win. Down almost 20 points on the road. Uh, Joel Embiid hits a buzzer beater shot. Essentially, it wasn't technically a buzzer beater, but you get the point in Toronto, like to overcome all that and win the game is not something the Sixers normally do. And then the last two games, they have completely took all of the faith that we had in them, chewed it up and literally just spit it right back in our face because game four, game four, you're like, whatever we won game three, you're up three, nothing. You can drop the second one in Toronto and not really worry about it. Um, The news did come out about Joel's hand. And that was a little scary because in game four, it looked like it was bothering him as far as like catching the ball and rebounding, and he was not really going up for contentions on defense. That was after game four officially? Uh, I think it came out after game three. Okay. And then game game four, he looked. it looked like it was bothering him, like bad. And the whole team really just didn't have much energy, and they lose one on the road, which it was like one of those games that I'm not going to make any excuses, but you're a couple shots away from like that actually being a sweep, which is crazy because – you look at yesterday's game. So the Sixers come out, and as far as Joel Embiid's injury, I will say this. For what he did yesterday, which I don't think he had a very good game, he at least looked like he figured out the injury thing because his hand looked fine for the most part. So that's good news going forward. The bad news is he came out in this game and game four just looking mopey, like just looking like he had no interest, like he wasn't like fired up at all. Like the best example I can think of this is basically like, um, you know, the patented Joel Embiid like do a crazy dunk and then you know point to the crowd or get the crowd fired up it was like none of that everything he did was with a stone face he just and and the team kind of relies on his energy he's the heart and soul of the team and if he isn't 
feeling it. Like if he's moping around out there, it seems like the rest of the guys are too. Yeah, that's what they were saying on the broadcast. Like nobody's really leading this team. Nobody was taking, you know, initiative to, yeah, just bring more energy and be like, hey, we're home. Let's close this out already. Right. That was the main thing to me. I was like, how do you come home? Up three one in front of your in front of your crowd and just come out as flat footed as the Sixers did, and, and you know we we hate to point the finger at Joel Embiid because he's the reason why we're here. He's he's our MVP, all that. But like when it comes to the playoffs, sometimes you have to call out your your best players, and I think that's what needs to happen with the Sixers right now. Obviously, I don't think like anyone in the locker room is going to call him out, but he needs to fucking like look in the mirror and pull pull that energy back out of him because so far in these last two games, he's completely been disinterested and it rubs off on the rest of the team. And it just, it results in a bunch of guys looking like they don't care. Like the last two games, they've looked like they just have expected Toronto to roll over and die. And listen, say what you want about Toronto's talent or lack thereof. They are a team that tries their ass off. They go out there and they fucking hustle for every loose ball they run up and down the court every time they're split sprinting when the Sixers are, you know, like uh, someone tweeted, I can't exactly remember who it was, but when the shots aren't falling for the Sixers, and this has been all year and maybe even beyond this year, probably last year and the year before for basically the whole Embiid era, when the shots aren't falling guys, you constantly see guys with their heads down and shoulders drooping and the energy is just not there. Yeah. It's, and you really just can't have that because the shots aren't always going to fall but you can't just give up on a game because the shots aren't falling or maybe because you aren't getting the calls you think you deserve, which that that's an argument in and of itself for game four. I thought game five was had nothing to fucking do with the refs at all. But game four, maybe people could complain a little bit that the refs weren't great, but we're, I'm not going to be a Raptors fan. I'm not going to yeah. sit here and complain and cry and say the refs are the reason we lost. The reason you lost is because your best players aren't playing well. And speaking of players, let's – expand a little bit beyond Joel James Harden for the last two games is just kind of looked dead like well dead. I let besides the game-winning shot this is not MVP Joel this is not Joel we've seen all no. season this is a very muted version of what we're expecting from him yeah I mean really besides game two because game one he played he played good but only had 19 points and that's whatever Maxie's but been the best two, player for them this entire series which is dude, I, which not is, good. I actually think I actually would <laughs> defer to you there, and I would say maybe Tobias. Yeah, well, Tobias, that's a good one a one a one b. I mean, I'm going to talk about him in a second, but his the level that he has stepped up to is fucking huge. I mean, if everyone else was clicking right now and Tobias was playing the way he's playing, this would be, in my opinion, like a legit finals contender. I don't, I don't see why not when you have four guys because you know Maxi too that are playing that level, but just right now, Harden and Embiid simply are not where they need to be at all. Yeah, it's like a seesaw. You're either going to have uh, Joe Hall at the top, or he's going to be at the bottom, or Tobias at the top, or he's at the bottom. Right, and and what sucks about it is you cannot have Joe at the bottom, because like I just said, he is like the heart and soul, and when he is at the bottom, he drags everyone else down with him, and when he's at the top, he propels everybody else up with him. So like you just can't have that. But like I said, Harden, has just looked dead in the last two games, especially last night, which sucks because he opened the game up with a, you know, a little ISO ball, took it to the hole, scored a layup, I think on our first bucket. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe we're going to get a little good James Harden game. And then after that, it was absolutely nothing. Uh, he, he just, I, I, we all knew he wasn't Houston Harden anymore. And that was already gone. But even what do you have? Like, I think he had six assists or five assists last night, something like that. Like you need to make up for the lack of scoring that you're doing with your assist. You're passing. He's not really doing that. 
Yeah, that's one thing he can definitely lean on because he's had these 10-plus, even 15-plus assist games. And if you're doing that, then that's fine with me. Like, I'm not expecting right. Houston-style Harden, but if you're putting out all those kind of assists, then, yeah, that's a winnable game. Right. At this point, we're not even expect We're expecting, like, 20 points a game in a James with, like, 10 assists and he's actually played some solid defense in this series. But again, the last two games, he's looked dead on that end too. He's giving you nothing on either end of the court right now. And it's just like, listen, it just sucks because it's just going to, all the trolls are going to buy into the whole, Oh, James Harden playoff thing. And maybe his hamstring really is a bigger problem than we know. It's completely possible. But right now he is just, I don't really know what to say about him. His, His shot is gone. Two things have disappeared. His his shot is gone in this series, especially, and his finishing around the rim has fallen off a cliff since Houston. He he doesn't fire the three as quickly anymore. Like every time he no. gets it, it's like a stutter, like for like one second, and that second is huge when you're taking a shot from that far. Yeah, he hesitates off of every catch and shoot and i know that catching and shooting has never really been his thing but they're the easiest shots you're gonna yeah. get you're again you're not james harden of a couple of years ago you don't have the movement and the speed to get by guys or throw them off of your jab step and uh back step whatever but like last night i think there was an example like james harden seems to be trying to like uh get these mismatches on offense but there aren't any mismatches anymore all of these guys are able to keep them in front of them that's that's like, all the good teams in the East, too. It's just all these lanky guys that switch off of everything, and you're not really going to find that mismatch. Right. It's just it's looked like silly because there's plays where, like, he's he's hunting mismatches on the offense, and, like, almost every defender that gets switched on them is able to keep him in front. Like, all of them. All five people on the court are able to keep James Harden in front of them at this point. And, like, he's, I'm, listen, I'll say this. He's not getting any help from the officials, but when all you're relying on is driving to the rim and hoping someone fouls you like that is not the recipe for success. And that goes for Embiid too, which he does sometimes. And that, I think that kind of leads into his mopiness when he's not getting calls, but like you simply can't rely on the refs one way or the other. You cannot, um, uh, Tobias though, uh, before we get to Maxi, cause I'll talk about him next. Uh, Tobias has been, in my opinion, you said Maxi, I think Tobias probably the best player in this series, which, if you would have told me earlier this year that Tobias Harris would be throughout five games in a playoff series would be the best player on the Sixers, I would have laughed you out of a room because of how poor he was playing earlier in the year. And here we are. He's suddenly out of nowhere become like, like a great defender. The way he's able to move his feet and stay in front of Pascal Siakam, who's way bigger and pretty much anybody he gets uh, matched up on on defense. He's been able to keep them in front and, I don't know the exact percentages, but it doesn't look like guys are shooting very good when guarded by Tobias in the series. Yeah, that and like all the bunnies around the rim, like those aren't there yeah. anymore, which was the weirdest thing for me when we saw oh, him yeah. this regular season. This regular season, even last game seven, he was missing layups against the Hawks last year. Like that doesn't seem to be there anymore. He's look, he looks so much more comfortable uh, shooting the three now. Off of both, honestly, off catch and shoot and off his own creation, especially catch and shoot is the most important because I'm not really expecting Tobias to create that many three point shots for himself. But yeah. he, he all year had a very hesitant trigger, kind of like 
what Harden's got going on right now, where he would uh, catch the ball and stutter just long enough so that he can't even get an open shot up. Whereas now he's catching the ball and he's fired with no fear. And he's shooting. I don't know. Again, I don't know the exact percentages, but it looks like he's shooting pretty good from three. Uh, his mid range shot looks fine. Like you said, he doesn't have those like jitters around the, the rim at this point. And, He's earning his money. A lot of people in Philly, maybe me included, owe Tobias an apology because he, I don't know, if he wasn't playing as well as he is, who knows what this series is right now because his step up has been very important considering the fact that Joel isn't playing amazing, Harden has taken a step back, and Maxi, for the most part, hasn't looked fantastic. But you shouldn't be relying on a second-year, 21-year-old player to like win you this series it's on your guys yeah they're completely unrealistic expectations for maxi no ever and, and maxi given that like when you think about it that way he's still playing fine he doesn't his scoring in the first half has been uh off but for the most part i have no complaints about the way he's playing i mean there's been some turnovers here and there but that's been a fucking story with the whole team turning the ball over just sloppy sloppy play from from everybody pretty much. I mean, I can't think of anyone. I mean, maybe James, but even in the last two games, I vividly remember last night there was a turnover where uh, it was early in the game. Uh, Maxi comes on the court. He gives a pass to uh, James on the wing, and James just has nowhere to go with it, and he throws a lazy pass back to Maxi at the top of the key, and it gets easily picked off for two points at the other end. Like, just little mistakes like that, shooting yourself in the foot, like, you're never going to beat a team like Toronto when you're doing that and also just not hustling. Yeah, and going to hustling, the offensive rebounding, that's oh my God. the biggest calorie because that's easy second-chance points for uh, Toronto because somebody's going to be open on the uh, three-point line and they're usually going to hit those. Exactly. like Guys like Precious Achua and, and Siakam are eating you up on, on the rebounds. Which I had no it, idea it's, Precious it's, was a scorer. Or a shooter like that. (laughs) And I remember, I think he only made the one last night, but there were two possessions on offense in a row for the Raptors where it ended with a wide, wide open pressure to chew a three. He hit the first one. I believe he missed the second one. But but still, that's beyond the point. How are you letting this guy get that wide open from three? Like like you just said, maybe maybe he's not known as a shooter. I obviously haven't followed that much of Preston Chua this year. But like even you just saw him hit a three the possession before, maybe step up to him on the three point line. Like, just an idea. Yeah, the, that and Sixers settling for the bad threes, which was the whole yeah. game last night, and that's going to be an easy offense fast break for yeah. Toronto, which was just the avalanche that was the entire game yesterday. Yeah. Allah on the, on the broadcast kept repeating something that I think he was hitting the nail on the head with. Like, obviously, it's not like such a deep uh, – analysis but yeah the degree of difficulty between the difference in the degree of difficulty between the shots the raptors were getting all game yep. and the shots the sixers were getting all game was an astronomical difference every single sixers possession they had to work their ass off to get a contested mid-range shot or a contested three whereas the raptors were coming in the court and getting open shots left and right or you know making uh offense out of defense by getting a turnover and quick points on the other end, whether it be a lob or open three on the transition. But like the Sixers had to work double the the amount of effort to get 
shots and none of them were open. I mean, Danny Green had a couple open threes that he missed. And I mean, again, I'm not going to like rail on Danny too hard at the end of the day. He's a role player and like he hit some threes and he's played pretty good this entire series, all things considered, but not a great game from him yesterday. But it just goes to show that this offense is like stale when uh, like this is the stuff that James was supposed to fix. Exactly. The, the Sixers offense right now basically can this is like if you had an A.I., like draw together a Sixers offensive possession. This is how I would assume it would go. Uh, Maxi would dribble the ball up. He would pass to James. James would dribble for a second. James would pass it to Joel at like the top of the key, top of the wing. Joel would be in, in the post for a minute or a second, turn around, dribble a couple times, pass back out. And the next thing you know, there's five seconds off in the shot clock and someone's got to force something. Yeah. Every that's, possession. That's exactly how it felt. Yeah. And I'm looking through some of the stats right now. Uh, Joel and James are playing 40 minutes pretty much every game. Yeah. And this is the best that we've seen. It like, doesn't make any sense. And you consider the fact that last game, fucking Fred Van Vliet didn't even play. Yeah. You can make an argument he's the best player in the Raptors, obviously, him or Siakam. So either way, they were missing their first or second best player, and they still came into Philly and kicked our ass. Scotty Barnes is, I would put him up Scotty there. Scotty Barnes is up there, yeah. yeah. Scotty Barnes, which, by the way, you From know, a like, rookie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to him. He's uh, he's played pretty good, um, even off an injury, which he might not even be fully healed from. And also, not to not give him credit, and then I'm going to rip it away from him in one second. Don't think he deserved uh, Rookie of the Year. I'd, I would have given it to uh, probably Cade Cunningham, to be honest. Uh, Evan it's kind of Mo- weird. Evan Mobley. Or Evan Mobley, yeah. Either I would have given it to either one of them. It's kind of weird that it seems like Rookie of the Year relied more on team success than MVP did this year. But... uh. You know, I'm not going to get too into that one, but um, no, Scotty Barnes very good. But yeah, the, the the Raptors without Fred Van Vliet come in this Philly and kick your ass. And like I said, it's just the degree of difficulty doesn't make any sense. The offense is stale, and some of that falls on Doc. It really does. Absolutely. He doesn't adjust. We've known we've known this about Doc. It's been said before we hired him. It's been the the motto of his career. Doc Rivers just doesn't make in-game adjustments or in-series adjustments, especially, which is why. This is such like a uh, a consistent thing throughout his career. And don't get me wrong; people will like comment last night. Oh, you know this law. This loss isn't on Doc. You can't blame him. And like you could say that about each individual loss. But when you look over the span of his career, he is constantly blowing leads in the playoffs. Like it's it just that cannot be a coincidence. Yeah, and that's something everybody knows. And since we're going into yeah. this game, that's going to be in the back of everybody's head. I mean, I cannot, I cannot believe we were up three nothing and we were going into Toronto three two. Like, how did we get here? How did we? Earlier this week, I was convinced the Sixers were Finals contenders. Like, after Game Two, you couldn't tell me shit. I would have told you Sixers might win the East. Uh, and now I don't even know. Like, obviously, I let's be realistic here. I am convinced the Sixers will win this series. Still, yeah. I I don't. I'm not that pessimistic, but from what they've shown me in the last three, I'll say three games because yeah, we won that game three, but that game was ugly and whatever. But the last three games have shown me that do we beat Miami? No, this team that's playing right now gets their asses kicked by Miami. So the team that, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, so I think it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, Cause as I was, was saying earlier, the top teams in the East are all just, these tall, lanky guys that are all very good defenders. They can switch on everybody. Miami's just a better version of Toronto. 
And I think the Celtics yeah. are an even better version of Toronto too, just uh, offensively. Oh yeah, the, Cel- the Celtics are the Celtics are unreal right now, and we'll talk about them when we talk more about like the general NBA playoffs. But they're they're scary, and like that's what I'm talking about here. Like whatever. Let's say we beat the Raptors next game, right? We had to tough it out with the Raptors in Game Six after going up three zero. I think I said this off air. Are they winning six? Told, <laughs> like, I I genuinely have no idea. Like, it's going to be extremely tough to go into Toronto and win that game, considering how fired up that crowd's going to be. It, listen, if the Sixers don't win that game, I think it just goes to, like, kind of show all of us, like, they didn't have any heart. They never did. This was all a fraud. Like, if you, the, first of all, I think they should have came out yesterday and proved they had heart by, like, coming back in that or not even they shouldn't open up the game that flat floated when you're at home up three one but at least come back in that game show some heart win in front of your home crowd if they need to muster up every amount of hustle and heart and emotion they can in this game because if they don't i fear that the sixers that played in that game last night like will get blown out in toronto like like it will be way more ugly than it was yesterday if they play that same way yeah i think we'll 20 20 point loss We'll we'll get the vibe of this in like the first four minutes. You like I said earlier, you just need Joel to come out and be fired up. Like yep. you need you need shit talking, Joel. You need like silencing the crowd, Joel. Not not this Joel that he misses one shot and he's walking down the court with his head down, or he doesn't get a call his way. You just you can't have that because this game could get fucking ugly. Yeah, the but uh, I, the the windmill dunk from the Toronto series two yeah, years ago. That kind of stuff like that. That's what drives the team. When you don't have that, they're just they're just dead in the water. But I mean, realistically, I mean, I don't know. I want to say I want I'll take the Sixers in this game six. Who knows? But like, if you would have said before the series Sixers and six, a lot of Sixers fans would have been like, yeah, sounds right. Even national media were taking Raptors in six, or you know, either team in seven. It's just the way we've got to this situation is so ugly. To go up three zero and let the Raptors rip off two wins in a row. Two ugly, stupid, disgusting wins. And now you got to go back to Jurassic Park and play them there. It's just like, it's it's defeating as a fan. It really is defeating. It, 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 it is a nice, friendly reminder that we're not in the upper class of the East. Oh, absolutely. When do you think, when was the last time like we were able to have like multiple positive days in a row as a Sixers fan base? Like, <laughs> the like f- when was it? The first four Darden games. I guess so, yeah, because think about the playoffs so far. Uh, games one and two, awesome. And then game three, the biggest shot of like Joel Embiid's career. Yep. And the next day, he torn ligament in his stump. Yep. And then immediately, the decline co- starts happening in the playoffs. We're just not allowed to be happy. I'm convinced. We're allowed to have momentary happiness, but you know, we always got to be reminded of where we stand. Oh, yeah, and I wanted to mention this uh Matisse might as well just not play this series. Thanks. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to get to him in the bench. And oh, my. Dude, I, I wish the Wells Fargo Center would enforce a vaccine mandate for the players so he couldn't play because he had one field goal last night, and that field goal was an own score. Dwayne, because, uh, yeah, because yeah, he was uh, the closest sixer to the basket after a tip-in from a, a Chua. I think it was a Chua, yeah. yeah. So the only field goal that Matisse Eibel gets credited for was an own basket. And besides that, he just looks pitiful on offense. Like, he can't score from anywhere. He, his three-pointer looks disgusting. His mid-range shot it doesn't exist. He airballed a layup. Yep. 
And the defense is just not making up for that. It's not. It, what is it with Australian players on the Sixers that can't play offense but can play defense? Yeah, one for six and no of three from threes. And no of two it, for three throws. You you couldn't be more right. He literally might as well just not even play in this series because he's he's contributing nothing. The whole bench, honestly, kind of is. And before we moved on to the bench, I just want to say something with Maxi. Like, I feel like sometimes he plays just too fast for his own good. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's happening right now in the first half, at least. It looks like he's getting settled in the second half of games. But, like, he just looks a little lost sometimes. And he doesn't, like, he wants to defer too much. I don't know. Maxi, again, though, me and you agreed on this. He shouldn't be relied on to be keeping you in games when you have James Harden and Joel. So I have no problem. OP can slow himself down, figure out where he's supposed to be a little he's, bit more. He's been taking now, more bench. attempts than Harden, too. Yeah. Like, he's he's a more willing shooter, also, which is, if you would have told me coming into this year we'd acquire James Harden and Tyrese Maxey would be a more willing and better three-point shooter than James Harden, I would have, again, been... I would have been so surprised. But the biggest... Not the biggest problem. One of the biggest problems with this team right now is the bench. I think before the before Doc emptied the bench last night because this game was lost. What are the five points, six points, something like that? Like you're just not gonna win when your bench contributes nothing to the team. I mean, Paul Reed is better than DeAndre Jordan, a hundred percent. And I will ten out of which I'm scared by the way, Miami because they have Dwayne Dedman, and I feel yeah. like since he's so big. Doc is going to go back to DeAndre for backup center, and I will physically be ill if I see DeAndre Jordan on the floor in the playoffs. But George Niang is really like the only playable uh, guy off the bench. Like, and even he doesn't look great right now. His defense is bad, and when he's not hitting shots, he's basically useless out there. Uh, Shake Milton. Let's be realistic. We all love Shake because we're Philly. He shouldn't be playing on a playoff team. He shouldn't be in a rotation. He I mean, doesn't we, belong. I, we knew this was coming. Yeah, like it's nothing. Depth, nothing new. Our depth is always an issue, and then Matisse, Matisse coming off the bench, contributing literally nothing. I mean, he just stinks, like we said. And even like I said, Paul Reed makes mistakes here and there, but I'll take him ten out of ten times over DeAndre Jordan. But you're just not gonna like. You look at teams around the East, like like Miami, even like a Toronto for per se. Like they don't have star players necessarily, but they're pretty deep. Miami deep. The Celtics deep. Like all these teams have depth, and I feel like the Sixers never ever do. Like yeah. this is just something we've been cursed with for the Embiid era. No depth. So the first game, everybody off the bench played really well. Like I'm seeing yeah, they did. three, three for four, one for two, one for one, three for four on field goals. The first two games, I vividly remember saying the first two games, I was like, I, I we did our podcast after those two games, and I said to Pat, I don't remember the last time we've won the Embiid moments this handedly, and I swear to God, since that statement left my mouth, it's it's backfired on me so bad because it has come back to what we've known which is MB hits the bench and this team is lost and doesn't know what they're doing. They let up runs. Either they have a lead and they blow it or they're in a close game and the other team pulls away. You're not going to win like that. It's never going to happen. Yeah, you need to have uh, like legit playing Harden or Joel on the floor at all times. Yeah, and it's crazy because this is the shit that Harden was supposed to come and help with supposed to help make the offense not stale. He was supposed to come in and make the Embiid minutes bearable. 
And right now he's doing absolutely neither of those things. And I know I see a lot of jokes on Twitter. Like, is there a time that two teams have ever lost the trade? Like uh, right now, listen, I'm not going to say we lost the trade at all, but James Harden is not doing what we brought him here to do whatsoever. And that's without even the expectation of like 30 points a game Harden. No, we're just expecting you to look, make the offense fresh, maybe put up 20 a game, please. 13 assists, something. And right now I'm not going to get too caught up again on Harden, but it's just contributing nothing. But like, like I said, these other teams are deep and we're just not. Yeah. Um, I mean, going back to Matisse, obviously next game doesn't matter, but thank God. I think, I think this does go to a game seven. I need you to stay on Siakam the whole game. Yeah. Like lock, 100%. like lock one of these guys up, make them a non-factor. Dude, like you saying, there's going to be a game seven, like just made like my stomach ring because look, let's be honest. We're now in territory where like the whole no team has ever blown a three Oh lead thing. It's null and void. We, we, if that was a thing when we were up three, nothing and three, one now it's a three, two series and we're going back to Toronto, back to their home. And let's assume the worst here. Let's assume they win coming back to Philly tied three, three game seven. It's anybody's game. All that shit is out the window. Yeah, Toronto's playing with house money. Exactly. They, And I think Ala also said this on the broadcast a bunch of times. The longer you let Toronto hang around in these games and series, the more emboldened they are, the more they believe, the more the more momentum they're gaining. And like obviously that's a very cliche thing to say, and obviously we know that. But it's true. The longer you let these guys hang around with you, the more they feel like, why can't we beat these guys? Why can't we be the first team to ever do this? Why not? And honestly, right now, how can I disagree with them? They easily could do it. Like, I'm kidding myself if I told myself that the Sixers are going to go in Toronto and, like, just make this not a contest and it's going to be – no, it's going to be – it's going to most likely be a close game. Like, there's no way around it. And obviously, I would be more surprised if, like, if someone from the future said, oh, game six in Toronto is a blowout. I would be much more surprised if you told me it was a blowout in the favor of the Sixers than it was a blowout in the favor of the Raptors. Absolutely, yeah. I would be a hundred times more shocked because, again, listen, we just have to pray and pray and pray that the Sixers that just took the floor last night are not the Sixers that are about to take the floor on Thursday night because they're, like I said earlier, they're going to get their shit kicked in if they do that. And then if you come into Game 7 where you have lost three straight games – what momentum do you have? And you've already shown us that you're not going to come out and play with fire in front of your home crowd. You've already shown us that. So I'm just going off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. This Joel era Sixers in game seven can't be any good, right? Honestly, that would be something worth looking up. Because <laughs> right now off the top of my head, what do I even remember? Uh, the Raptors series of last year, game seven loss. They got uh, swept Atlanta, by, oh, not last year, 2019. Yeah, they got yeah. swept by the Celtics two years ago. Yep. Uh, Atlanta, Game 7 last year. Yeah. Listen, going to Game 7 is the scariest thing I can imagine because, like I said, it's one game. Anything can happen. They need – it sounds crazy, but they they need to win this game on Thursday. They have to because if they don't, I, I do not think they win the series. So, okay, I'm looking at it now. Uh yeah, Hawks, 3-4. Hawks, obviously. Uh, Wizards before that, 4-1. Uh, swept by Boston. Then 2018-2019. <laughs> yeah, Raptors game 7, 3-4. Uh, 
uh, first round Nets 4 1 Sixers. Uh, 2018 playoffs was 1 4 Celtics, and the first round was 4 1 Heat. Yeah. So, like, it's obviously game sevens were what? 0 and 2. Yep. Yeah, 0 and 2. So, I mean, it's not good. And hypothetically speaking here, because we don't want to will this into existence, if the Sixers were to blow this 3 0 lead, like, do you think, what do you think happens to Doc Rivers? Like, like obviously, I think he gets fired if we don't like go to the Eastern Conference. I, I, actually, I can't say that for certain. I would hope he would be fired if we don't reach at least the conference finals this year. If he blows a three zero lead, how do you bring him back and justify it if you're the Sixers? Well, I mean, all the players—well, not all the players—but there's been all these whispers from players that haven't liked Doc this season, and yeah, one of the obvious ones seemed to be uh, Danny Green. I mean, Grant, he's not yeah. the vocal point, but. I mean, if he f- feels free saying that stuff, it's got to be more than just him. Oh, absolutely. You don't just open your mouth as like a – I mean, he's a vet, but still you wouldn't just say that if it wasn't like uh, at least somewhat of a – maybe not a consensus in the locker room, but it was rumblings for sure. And Joel was but, saying that last night post game. It's like uh, coach needs to tell Harden to take better shots or take more yeah. shots. He, by the way, he sounded so defeated in that post game presser, dude. He looked – and sounded so defeated and it's just not good omen for what might come in this game six because you can't have that yeah that's it's not a good sign mid <laughs> mid series just... like i'm sorry but like you need like a danny green like he's the only guy on this danny green or like uh, deandre jordan are the only two real vets paul Millsap also i kind of forgot he existed but you need like someone to step up to Joel and like tell him like dude you need to get your fucking head out of your ass like you're the leader of this team like even if your shots aren't falling you need to just put that shit aside if you're not getting calls, all that. Put it aside and, like, give these guys someone to lean on because without you, this team is nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine any of those guys saying anything to him. Well, either can I, but you just – you would hope that someone would – I doubt it's going to happen. You need Joel to look in the fucking mirror and pull that out of him himself, sadly. But – and then, you, like I said, if Doc blows a 3-0 lead and he is back as the coach of the Sixers next year – I don't even know what to say about that. If the sick, if the Sixers blow a three lead, I don't know how the fuck I can justify even watching basketball next year. I mean, every the other whispers have been um, reuniting James Harden and uh, oh god, the Rockets coach. Why am I blanking? Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. Listen, uh, I mean, Mike D'Antoni isn't like the greatest, but like, if it meant getting Doc out of here, if it Again, if this happens, I would be whatever. I think if he, if we win this and you know we lose a tough series with Miami, I mean, I guess I can understand it. But like, if we get either beat here or our asses kicked by Miami, he's got to go. Like a hundred percent, he's got to go. I mean, yeah. If if we're playing Miami next, it's it's gonna be ugly. Well, yeah. Like I said, if if the team from the first two games plays Miami. It shouldn't be. It should be a good series because I don't know where that team went in the last three games, but they looked good. Things were clicking. They were winning those Embiid minutes while he was or non Embiid minutes while he was on the bench. Ever since then, it's been ugly. If this team from the last two games plays Miami, it it could be a gentleman sweep. Like realistically, I I doubt they'd get swept. But holy, because I don't believe I've said a million times to you to our this group chat. I don't believe that Miami is like. 
a true like one seed and the fact that like I fear them or anything because I no. don't think Miami's that great. Like I'm just gonna say this, even with the, what the Sixers have shown me, unless they show me something vastly different in these next to, to close the series and in the next series, I think either way, the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Hawks, the Raptors, the Sixers, all of them are getting their fucking asses kicked by either Boston or Milwaukee. Yeah, I fully believe that. I don't think that. I don't think this side of the bracket stands a chance against that other side of the bracket. And that goes sadly double for the Sixers. Cause I think Miami would put up a better fight than we would. Yeah. Miami. I mean, they, they rely a lot on, um, you know, their three point shooters like Duncan Robinson and even, um, God, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Tyler Harrow. Well, yeah, not Tyler him too, but, um, who am I missing? Oh, uh, I'm pulling up their roster. Some of that other, that other handsome white guy. Yes, yeah, the other hot uh, white guy. Struce, Max yeah. Struce. Which, by the way, I can't believe like. And, and PJ Tucker for this year. And PJ Tucker, yeah, they yeah. they have a deep team, and like honestly, I, I shit on them all the time. Got to give credit where it's due. Jimmy Butler has looked great in these playoffs. Uh, I think I heard JJ Redick on ESPN today saying like he counts for like the most offensive points forward and like the least points given up like in the playoffs so far he's he's a legit like, three. yeah he's legit three and d guy so like yeah i mean you 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 look forward and this is what we're going to do now i guess like that series with miami like we're assuming we win this series obviously which is a bold claim but let's just assume for the sake of my sanity that we win this series uh playing and i would assume miami closes out atlanta in their next game atlanta just looks dead even with clint capella i thought they would have a little bit more life and they got nothing. Now they got to go back to Miami. That series is getting closed out. They're locked. They lock up uh, Trey Young. It's yeah, so, Trey's been in hell. It's so sad but, to see him just absolutely deflated. Exactly. So this series with Miami right now, like I said, unless I'm showing something different by the Sixers, like it doesn't seem good because their their depth is just so much for us to handle. Oh yeah. And. Again, I guess it depends what you all you're getting, but like I am legitimately, I know I made a joke out of it, scared that Doc will give the backup center minutes back to DeAndre because a bigger five will be playing in Dwayne Dedman at their backup center. And like that disgusts the hell out of me. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't expect too much Dedman minutes, even if that is the case. Just because yeah. Bam, Bam Adebayo is just a, He's a better machine. defender. He's probably the best like guy that can like go one through five on the center position. Yeah, I, yeah, he he honestly because he's got like a very uh, interesting like build. He's he's big, but he's also like very mobile. Yeah, he's only um, six nine. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I don't know how I'm even supposed to like. I want to look forward to this series, like as far as like predicting what's going to happen, but like it really just depends on how the Sixers close the series out because when you consider the fact they have played with no energy, if they play with no energy against Miami, it's, it's not a chance Four or five games for Miami would beat us. You need, um, the Sixers to like draw in on whatever heart and effort they have, which honestly isn't great because like I said, they haven't shown much of that all year. Yeah. The reason why coming back in that game three against Toronto was such a like shocking thing is because the Sixers don't come back when the Sixers get down. The Sixers get like down and I don't mean just on the scorecard. I mean like just themselves, like they're down on themselves and they walk around with their heads on the fucking floor. Like, and you cannot have that in the playoffs. And I feel like that's something that's held us back from succeeding 
in the um, Joel Embiid era. It's, even if you do play Miami, it's going to be no Jimmy trying to get into the paint, uh, Bam trying to get into paint, and then basically three versions of JJ Redick just running through screens yeah. all around the three point line. So, I yeah, it's it's going to be ugly. And what's it's so crazy because, like I said, I I would have taken us over the Heat in like a like a six or seven game series, like uh, going into the playoffs, maybe even like after the first two games. Uh, now I fully expect a Miami win and another another second round exit for the Sixers, which have second round exit could be the ter- the phrase used to describe the Joel Embiid era of the Sixers. Second round exit and. Again, I said earlier in the show, you don't want to do this because guess what? Joel Embiid is the king of the city. We love him, but this shit falls on him as well. 100%. Anyone not willing to admit that is just being blind. It's not like saying, oh, Joel sucks or blah, blah, blah. None of that. We love him. But at a certain point, you have to just step up and be the guy that you are and win these games. Will your fucking team the victory? Yeah, I mean, I forget who we were arguing about a couple weeks ago, but some guy was saying, like, you can't depend on Joel to be there for a full playoff series. And oh, right, right. I mean, here we are. Like, it didn't come out of nowhere. No, it's, criticism. It it's always something with Joel, sadly. And it's not his fault, like, you know, a torn ligament in your thumb. But listen, it's beyond that. Like, he looked fine health-wise in that game. He just gets down, and like as the best player, you can you cannot do that. Like, uh, fucking imagine if LeBron was walking around moping around when the Cavaliers went down three one against the Warriors. You think they fucking come back to win that series? No. You got to have a certain mindset. And I I sound so corny. I feel like those guys that are like, oh, you know, the Jordan and Kobe mindset, blah blah blah. Like people talk about that shit way too much, in my opinion. But it's realistic right here. Joel needs that kind of mindset of just like coming out and handling your fucking business like and he's got to prove that he has that in this game and that's why i'm saying like it's hard for me to even point forward to this miami series unless like the sixers really show me something here which who knows if they're going to i don't know i'm just depressed it's sad game seven baby all i know (laughs) is the only good thing i'm gonna pull out of this the next two possibly two games is Thursday and you know possibly Saturday will be two of the best nights in Philly's sports Twitter history. Like regardless of victory or loss, oh, it's going to be a sight to fucking behold. Uh, yeah, the content's going to be good regardless. If the Sixers lose, I can only imagine the content that's coming. Like it's going to be unhinged, and it'll be even worse because I know you weren't uh, w- with us last week. We were talking about the Raptors fans and how they're kind of like pieces of shit because they're like making fun of Joel's dead brother and saying they hope he dies and shit, giving those fans, even what they've had so far, as far as like winning two in a row and having the fucking process of like, Oh, we might win the series. Now that hurts. If they win this series or even push seven, like it's going to feel so bad losing to like those assholes. And really it's going to feel bad losing to any team in the East at this point. Cause like we hate all the fan bases, Toronto. Yeah, no. I mean, I fucking hate Miami. Yeah, let's be real. Every fan base sucks. Yeah, yeah, we all <laughs> no, do. Nothing That's new there. Why I hate Boston the most. I went on a huge Boston rant in our last uh, in our last show. Which, speaking of Boston, I guess we'll use this as a transition to wrap up the Sixers. So, game game six on Thursday. I mean, them they've ruined the NFL draft for us Philly fans. Can't watch that now. We got to watch the fucking Sixers fight for their lives in Toronto. 
And you just got to hope, like I like we said a million times, they play with energy, they play with heart, they come out and show us, oh, yeah, this is the team that they could be. Because if not, we're going back to fucking Philly for a Game 7 Saturday, and who knows what's going to happen. I can't believe they're ruining the draft. You're right. I yeah, think God, of that. goddamn assholes. But um, speaking of Boston, uh, they're the first like other series I wanted to touch on, uh, just as a quick little recap of the rest of the, pl- the, rest of the playoffs. We'll touch on the uh, interesting series. Um, Boston... Brooklyn came to an end last night and it was a sweep, which is so fucking funny to say, looking forward to this season, everyone said, Oh, Lakers nets. Who's going to win the finals? Lakers missed the playoffs. Nets are swept out of the first round. Um, two favorites coming in the season. Betting it is too. That's got to be like one of the first times that's happened. I mean, I don't know. I, obviously I don't know, but that I feel like that is such a fucking rarity that both teams that were favored aren't even in the second round of the playoffs. Well, but, yeah, not yeah, not even the second round. It has to be. Yeah. So the Celtics got here with the, on their backs of their defense, which is, I mean, it, it can't be overstated how good that defense was for at least the first three games. Because I know KD did have a great game last night, but like they had KD in fucking jail for the whole series. I mean, they were in his head. They were not letting him have any easy shots. And I watched a couple. Uh, there's a basketball YouTube. I forget. Uh, Thinking basketball or something like that. They do great breakdowns yeah, on YouTube. I've seen him. Yep. Yeah. And they broke down the Celtics defense on Durant through the first three games of that series. And like, it's crazy. And like, they made a good point. Like, yes, defensive skill is like one thing, like having one guy that's really good at defense. But what makes a team defense is just like scheming and everyone being on the same page. And Boston really like just. Uh, summarizes like that. They're all in tune with each other on defense. They all know where to be. They all know what they're doing. It's a perfectly, it's a well-oiled machine as far as their defense goes. And then on offense, I mean, Jason Tatum is a star. We know this. Uh, Jalen Brown is like one of the best number two options in basketball. Marcus Smart is DPOY, and he's still good for like so weird, 15 by the points way. a game. Oh, I know. I, I'm glad that he won DPO. I fucking hate Rudy Gobert. It was funny watching like Luca toy with him last night. But He's not even the best defender on his team. I, yeah, you're not wrong about that. But um, he's even, like I said, Marcus Smart's good for like 15, 20 points a game. Uh, Al Horford is playing fine right now. I mean, I don't know how long I expect that to hold up for, but he's playing good. And then you have Robert and Grant Williams, who are like two great role players, both amazing at defense. And uh, Grant Williams at least can like hit a three-pointer every now and then. And they're they're the scariest team in the East, hands down right now. I think that they are – I'm I'm not like saying anything – controversial here because they're the betting favorite but they should easily be everyone's favorite out of the east right now shouldn't even be a debate uh bucks are without chris middleton i don't know for how long exactly but like that's going to be huge when you're going up against a defensive team like boston who could just key in on Giannis now but i don't see how anyone could pick any other team in the east over the celtics i think it would be kind of crazy yeah uh i think at best case scenario they get uh, Chris Middleton, like game four or something, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if and, it was if it was a full strength Bucks team, I would like the Bucks a little bit more, just because. I mean, Giannis is still no, like, the best player right now, and Giannis is really mentioning that. Giannis is still in that uh, tier, like he's still in that way of he can just tap into a mode where no one can guard him. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. And honestly, that kind of brings me to my next point. Like Kevin Durant, like 
he's getting a lot of this uh, best player in the world shit. And don't get me wrong, I've even said that. But like, I think this series just solidified that he is not right now. Maybe he's still number two, which is fine. But I think Giannis is better. And Kevin Durant just, listen, let's just call it what it is. He hasn't really accomplished much in his career aside from the Golden State Warriors years. And don't Ooh, get me wrong. Oh, here we go. Don't get me wrong. He won here finals of MVP. He won finals of MVP in those finals. But you see clips. You can watch highlight tapes. You see pictures. Steph Curry was drawing all of the double teams. I think there was a, a graphic that showed double teams in the 2018 finals or 2017. I can't remember which one it was. Where like Steph drew 82 double teams and KD drew like one or two. And, like, I'm not trying to discredit Kevin Durant, but, like, it's obviously going to be worth noting when you're getting a bunch of open looks. And, like, now you have a defense that's keying in on you, and they can't, they can give you more double teams. And, like, he's he really folded under pressure. I mean, yes, he played great in that game four, and but it was too little too late. Who's he deferring to after Kyrie? No one. Okay, like, you got to give him something there. Like, when you're getting double teamed, like every yeah. time you're catching the ball because they're blitzing him once he has the ball in his hands or even right before he gets to his spot. Like right. he's, he can't, yeah. you know, I'm just saying out worse. He's the second best player in the NBA. And what I, what I do want to say is the resident LeBron stand is imagine if like 20 fucking imagine if LeBron in the prime of his career, when he's getting called the best player in the NBA got swept in the first round, people will never let it go. But I'm going to, I digress on that point. It was just shocking to see KD put in such hell. And I know you weren't here when we talked about this last week, but personally, I loved the game one, like, fuck you, Boston tour by Kyrie, because I fucking hate Boston. Don't love Kyrie, but that was just awesome to see, like, him talking shit on the fans and shit. But, and then the last thing that even bring up for Brooklyn is Ben Simmons. I mean, that fiasco has gotten so out of hand that I remember months ago on this podcast, I made a joke to Pat and I said, imagine if Ben Simmons doesn't play this whole year. And it came fucking true. He didn't play the whole year. Now, I'm not going to have the take you might expect me to have here. I'm actually starting to believe he does have mental problems. Like, yes. there is something wrong mentally. Yes. Like, he, it, I, I'm 100% starting to believe that. And I also think it's very funny that that is lining up with the fact that, like, think about when Ben Simmons was on the Sixers still. And the whole national media was like, oh, you know, his mental issues, this and that and whatever. But now, for some reason, the floodgates are open and the whole national media is taking a fat shit on him. It's like, it, again, I know you hate this narrative, but the fuck Philly thing, it seems like it's bleeding into this too because when he was on our team, you had to consider his mental health issues, but now he's gone and it's like open range to just say, oh, you, you're a bum, this and that, and Stephen A. Smith can go on rants about how he's the most disappointing NBA player of all time. Like, it, it just seems like once he leaves Philly, the floodgates are open to criticism, but when he was here, it was, oh, the Philly fans are too hard on him, they're mean. I, I mean, yeah, we're an easy target. He's an easy target. I mean, yeah, short, it's yeah, sure, it's all true. I just, for yeah. me, I always say I don't see the point in even giving this any attention. Right. It just his teammates have to hate him, right? Like they have to hate him. Uh, I mean, that picture. There's that picture <laughs> that that very funny picture of uh, Robert Williams dunking on like three nets. KD and Kyrie are pictured, and then Ben Simmons is off on the bench in his very colorful. Yeah, purple uh, and orange. I mean that that pretty much sums it up. Like, I, listen, I don't know someone like Kevin Durant. I have to assume Kevin Durant fucking hates Ben Simmons for this. Oh yeah, at this point, yeah. Even when he like, was absolutely. Even when he was saying, "Oh, maybe game three. Oh, maybe yeah. game four. 
I I low key wanted the Celtics to lose that game just because I wanted to see uh, Ben Simmons out game five as well. Just for, just for just to humor me, but like I don't know what he does going forward with his career. I mean, I'm not gonna be like too much of an asshole. I, I wish him the best. I hope nothing's actually mentally wrong, and I hope he gets well soon. But I just don't know where he goes like from here with his NBA career. No one's gonna respect him ever again unless he like really comes out and earns respect again, which I don't know how he's gonna do. But I don't know what he does. Yeah, the the Nets next season is going to be an interesting thing to see. I I had people. I was listening to the podcast. I think it was a uh, you know ball with a yeah uh, yeah Trillbro dude where he was saying um I believe it was their podcast where they were floating out the idea of like trading Rudy Gobert for Ben Simmons. Like that's the world we live in at this point. Where like that is a real possibility. Yeah, that's he, he's he's a more he's a better claxton pretty much yeah so i mean it's not that's not uh, a bad idea it's crazy the boston celtics look amazing uh let's move on uh, i just have a couple notes from like each series um first of all the sun's in trouble against the pelicans like that is crazy and i mean dude the pelicans they had zion man they'd be re- a real contender i think like they play with a lot of heart also like jose alvarado i think his like sneaky steel is my favorite play in the entire NBA. I love like Herbert Jones, like he's kind of like just like shitting on Chris Paul, like not taking his shit. And like, yeah. you know, like Chris Paul goes to help you up and he's like, nah, I'm good. Like it, it's just cool to see like young guys like really like do that. And it doesn't usually happen, but like the Pelicans are a scrappy team. CJ's a star. Uh, Brandon Ingram is a star. And if they had Zion, man, I think they could really make some noise, but I mean, it's, uh, that's another thing. Some sort of fans are like, oh, you know, no no book in this series. You know, it's unfair. Well, they don't have Zion. So, like, it's the same. It is what it is. And it's a play. If, it's a playing team versus yeah, the team that's looked right. like the best team they, all season. The Suns finished, like, 20 fucking something games above the Pelicans. You should have beat them even without Booker. It's crazy you've let them hang around this long. But I do think they're actually a very talented team. Is Booker supposed to play in the rest of the series, or is he done for the whole thing? He, after... They evaluated two to three weeks, so it would be next round. Maybe. Dude, I, if I'm the Suns fans, I'm sweating this right now because I think the Pel- I think they still win. I still think they win, but the Pelicans are going to make it way harder than it should have been. Sure, yeah, they're they're um, they were just yeah. an otherworldly defensive team like all season. So absolutely. Um, we already talked with the Heat up through and over the Hawks. I mean, the Hawks just yeah, they look bad. I, th- I thought Capella would give them life. They didn't. Trey Young's in jail. That Heat defense is legit. Uh, that is what it is. Uh, the Wolves versus Grizzlies has turned out to be a pretty damn good series. I mean, it's been there's been interesting moments like you know Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, we back in Minnesota now, and Ja going back at him for that. And I think that series is two two. Uh, that's a yeah. great series. I mean, two young teams. I mean, I feel like people were sleeping a little bit on the Timberwolves, and also. Listen, I fucking hate. I think my least favorite player in the league is Patrick Beverly, but I will stand up for him and say that I thought it was very corny when NBA fan bases were like, why are the Wolves celebrating like they just won the championship when they won the play-in game? Like, for them, that was a huge accomplishment because that team hasn't been in the playoffs in so long. Like, let them cheer and have fun. Like, I, I swear, sometimes I think these people just hate the sport that they watch and don't want anyone to have fun. But like, it's, It was the messenger, not the message. True, Pat Bev, yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. <laughs> but, like, it's it it's it's turning out to be a fun series, and I said on this very podcast that the Grizzlies were my team if the Sixers don't win. So if the Sixers lose in the next round or even this round and the Grizzlies lose to the fucking Wolves, I'm just going to be defeated, and I'm going to be a mush. 
A uh, quick side note: No Jimmy Butler tonight. Oh, no Jimmy Butler. Right knee inflation. Oh wow! Inflation. Please, please, Atlanta, pull one out for us. I know you already pulled pull another one. Please, that that's huge though. They could win that game now. I definitely wouldn't think that's crazy. If yeah, Atlanta Jimmy, wins. Jimmy was incredible that last game. So absolutely. So p- please, Atlanta. That's all I'm asking for. Uh, the Bucks, Bucks are just too much for Chicago. Even that's, without Chris Middleton, that's the least interesting series out of all uh, of me. Oh, really? I thought actually the Jazz and Mavericks have been all right because it's like just the collapse of the Jazz being shit. But yeah, Bucks Bulls. I don't think I've watched like more than a like a half of that series because every game has just been the Bucks shitting on the Bulls. Zach yeah. Levine's out tonight with uh got put on the health and wellness, which I think means he either exposed to COVID or tested positive. So I mean it that that series is over. I mean yeah, they're up three one, right? Yep. Yeah, that series on tonight. I don't see why it shouldn't, uh, unless like Demar Derozan has something crazy happen. But they're done. Not with uh, Drew the Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, no, Drew Holiday's. Oh, man, I miss him. I, he was one of my favorite Sixers back in the day. Um, Nuggets survive a sweep from the Warriors. Um, I, I just really wanted the Nuggets to get swept because they, fuck yeah, Jokic. But it would have been a sweep if Draymond didn't get fouled out with the four yeah. minutes left. Which um, quick side note: Why the the unspoken rule of just letting the superstar get away with that six foul is not being placated this playoffs. Like yeah, the no. refs are doing all these like Tatum last night. Yeah. Little calls. Yeah. Especially Tatum too. Yeah. I know. Uh, I completely agree. And listen, that brings up another debate about like Scott Foster being brought in for all these fucking to prevent these sweeps. I mean, he, they didn't do it yeah. last night, but it's like, listen, I, again, I'm not a bit, I don't want to be like a huge, like ref conspiracy theorist, but like, they don't even try to. They don't even try to hide it anymore. A series is three zero going into the fourth game. Scott Foster's coming in. It's, it's kind of crazy how they do that. All the fan bases know it. Once they see his name on the sheet, they're like, "Oh, here we go. Here's some bullshit." It's kind of crazy at this point. But uh, to complement my take about the Celtics, and this is also again not a hot take because it is the most uh, bet on matchup of the finals. It's going to be the Celtics Warriors. The Warriors look fucking great. Um, I don't want to get in a tangent here on the most improved player award, but I think John Morant winning that was bullshit because he was already great. Uh, my final and, and Tyrese Maxey, a lot of Sixers fans don't understand that it seems like forever they've had a rule against like no second year guys are winning that award. So Maxey's out. I think Josh should have been out because he's already a star. My finalists would have been Jordan Poole, Dejounte Murray, however you I don't know how to say yeah, Dejounte Murray, right? Dejounte Murray, and Darius Garland. And Desmond Bain is like a fourth, but not a finalist. And then I would have given it to Jordan Poole. And he wasn't even a fucking finalist. That's crazy to me. Because he is he's legit. Like he's a bucket. And he fits right in with the Splash Brothers. Yeah, I heard a good argument about that stuff. Like I normally don't really care, but I mean, in the long scheme of things, like it's a really good snapshot of the season. So I guess it really yeah. does matter, but I mean, in the moment I it still doesn't really bother me. Yeah, I mean, but that that healthy Warriors team, man, Steph looks great. Clay has hit the most three pointers in the playoffs. Uh, Jordan Poole has emerged off as the, the legitimate. Yeah, off the bench. <laughs> Steph has emerged. Jordan Poole has emerged as the legitimate third splash brother. Yep. Draymond, uh, Draymond looks fucking great. I mean, he's the defensive general we've known for years now. Absolutely uh, shutting down Jokic yeah. as much as he can. <sighs> it's been fun to watch him get under his skin. Um, and then you have role players that are great. Andrew Wiggins is a great role. He was an all-star. Listen, it was bullshit, but he was an all-star starter this year. He's a great role player for that team. Even Otto Porter off the bench is, is a good player. I can't believe he got the uh, 
inbound oh, play yeah. at the towards the end of the I, last game. I don't know why in the world. You have all those guys that are talented, and Andrew Wiggins is your guy you're drawing up a play to for the game. Get the fuck out it's of here. It's just like Steve Kerr trying to be nice or something. I don't really I don't know. <sighs> I don't know, but yeah, the, the I'm sure the Warriors will finish that up in five, and I'm, I think they're – I don't know who is going to win the finals. If it's Celtics-Warriors, that'll be a fantastic series, but it would be very funny for like – if the Warriors won, everyone was like, oh, the Warriors like dynasty thing is over. And then they just win another finals like two years later. If it, if it ends up being Warriors Celtics, I, I like the uh, Warriors in that. I would probably lean Warriors too. Cause I don't, I don't know if uh, the Celtics defense will keep this up for as long as like the playoffs go on. I, I'm not going to say they won't cause who knows, but I think the Warriors have that uh, advantage in like experience and stuff. That, they've yeah, been there. They've that, been there before. Then the all death lineup, which it's being called now, is pretty damn impossible to defend. So I up. cannot believe Andre Iguodala is still playing basketball in the year 2022. Also, yeah, I, I, I don't know why he's getting minutes. It's crazy. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. I I remember tuning into like the first game of the series, and he had like a pretty like solid dunk, and I was like, how in 2022 is Andre Iguodala still like getting jams in the NBA playoffs? He's he's already been out for like two games, I think. Yeah, well, respect to a Sixers legend, I guess. But uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, we're a little bit sad that we had to uh, have this type of show. I tweeted yesterday, like, hopefully, it would be an optimistic show, and we'd get to just look forward to the nope. Heat series. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. Uh, I I've been holding back tears this entire hour we've been on. Uh, it's not easy. I'm probably going to have to go bury my face on my pillow and cry a little bit when I uh, get off this call with you, Taylor. But um, that's pretty much it. Um, the playoffs have been exciting. Uh, at the very least, the, the playoffs, basketball is in good hands right now. And before, right before we go, I guess I'll get this take off. A lot of people have been saying, like, like at, at, first of all, they have to make everything about LeBron, which is weird as a LeBron fan. But people are, like, having takes like, oh, are the playoffs more or less exciting with or without LeBron? Like, dude, who cares? It's fun. Who gives a fuck if he's there or if he's not? The league is clearly in good hands. You have more young guys being uh, productive on teams right now than, like, I can remember. And I you know, I know I'm only 23 years old, but as long as I've watched basketball, I feel like this is the deepest the league has been in, in a long time. Uh, people used to say the NBA was predictable. I mean, it was for a while when it was Cavs, Warriors every year, but the two f- title favorites going into the year aren't even in the playoffs going into the second round. Like, the ba- basketball is in a good place right now. It is just like straight up skilled, like not defending, like depending on like athleticism, but like just in the information age, they have access to all this yeah. information to be the best players that they can be. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll do my best to enjoy the NBA playoffs, even if the Sixers let me down which guess what at this point i'm fucking hardwired to expect that i'm pessimistic as it is but you know uh my last note is just go sixers please please don't 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 do this to me just don't don't do this to me Game seven. just don't all you've done to me in the past just please spare me on this one but uh taylor thanks for doing this with me Seamus pat i'm sure you're listening uh, i'll talk to you guys all next week thanks for tuning in from vince from taylor this is from the nosebleeds peace out